You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Looney. And today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Jared Lopiccolo. Jared is an expert in digital marketing trends to optimize business strategies, establish high-performing teams, and build sustainable company culture. As a creative digital performance, marketing leader who's worked with Adobe, Google, Disney, all the top guys, to be honest. He has consolidated passion for exploring new technology and can cover topics around culture and innovation and putting that together in a digital marketing umbrella, um, per se. So with no further ado, Jared, welcome to the show. Well, Dr. Lenid, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, really excited to be here today. And and yeah, like, let's let's let the conversation flow. Yeah, um, I'd like to start. I love recognition. We're going to start talking about your why, but Noble Studios was the winner of the 2023 R&D some marketing campaign. Let's talk about that um, experience for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we won an ESTO award. We, we primarily focus in the travel and tourism space, but we also work in some other, um, you know, other industries like B2B and such, which keeps us kind of on our toes. We can cross pollinate ideas and strategies from one to the other. But this was a really important award. Um, it's called an ESTO award and it's for, um, visit Lake Tahoe. So that's our client. We're the record agency for them. And as they go through this stewardship, you know, sort of, um, you know, over tourism, kind of mm-hmm. moment in time, they we needed to create a campaign that resonated not only with visitors to come into market and be those kind of conscious tourist vis- visitors, um, but we also needed to sort of activate on the locals to make sure that the locals knew that we were bringing in quality um, tourists. So we created this campaign called Awe and Then Some. And it really allowed us to do the awe, which is, you know, all these great things about Lake Tahoe, beautiful scenery. And then the sum, which is you could do hiking and paddleboarding and biking and those kinds of things. And so we submitted this for an ESTO award and effectively an ESTO awards like the Grammys or the Oscars, if you will, um, of the travel and tourism space. So we were one of about 20 recipients out of all the different destinations that received this award. And and while while it's nice to get an award like that. It's really about the recognition of the team and all that collaboration and all that strategy that goes into, you know, really building something that's effective that resonates with all these different um, diverse audiences. Yeah. And the locals, you mentioned engaging the locals. How do you go about engaging the locals to actually, so they can get, you get buy-in from them. To yeah, it's, yeah. It's so important. I mean, ever since I, I joke, I talk about when in Instagram, when it came out, everyone, you know, started using that and putting filters and so they felt like photographers. And then you, then that kind of rise of the influencer and being in markets and taking photos in beautiful destinations. Well, that really, um, that, of course, travel is just fun and cool to do. Um, that created this really influx of the amount of visitors that are visiting these very high profile places. And so what's happening is if you're a local in those areas, while we recognize that the economic impact of tourism is positive, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much downside as well because you know tourists will leave trash on beaches if you're in a beach mm-hmm. community, or they might you know um, park where they're not supposed to be parking, and so so over mm-hmm. time that erodes the trust of the of the locals that are there, and and then you get this really like unhealthy balance where they're like we want tourists to come, but we don't want the wrong ones to come, and so by us kind of building sustainable audiences that we target through social media or you know display advertisement or any of the other channels that we do, um, we really try to target and bring the right visitors into market. And then we stimulate the local um, local visitors or the local, excuse me, I should say, with, with finding opportunities where visitors can either like do what's called volunteerism, or they can maybe help clean up the beaches, you know, um, or, they, or we have, you know, campaigns that are out there that are like, act like a local, right? So mm-hmm. we're trying to educate these visitors that are coming into town so that they treat the area as if they were a local. And that really, that kind of grassroots um, style of communicating and messaging that really gets that buy-in from those locals. Yeah, that that helps, and also telling the those visiting, you know, keeping the noise level down, and where to find yes. mom and pop shops, where to eat, and uh, live like a local. Yes, yep, live and act like a local, and so we actually are getting ready to launch in because it's for Lake Tahoe, um, something that's called rules to lake by. So instead of the idea of like rules to live by, it's rules to lake <laughs> by. And it's all these ways of educating visitors, but it's also something that the, that the, um, that the residents, the locals can stand behind as well. So it's, again, it's that grassroots sort of campaign messaging that really ties the visitors, the residents and all the businesses and the government entities together as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that's powerful. So why traveling? I, I love, I'm a world traveler. I love traveling. And you're talking about yeah. lakes and camping in Utah and, and all that, you know, it's ringing a bell and resonating. So you tell me about what that, about how that led you here. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, you know, when I was in college, I actually, I did a study abroad program and I lived in Italy. I'm Italian and, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted to kind of get back to my roots a little bit. And so, um, so I went to Italy and I studied architecture and just living in another, you know, um, country where you don't speak the language, you, you don't know the currency, you know, that all that vulnerability, um, in the end creates, humility and it allows you to like see people equally everyone's equal at that point and so so my wife at the same time you know that I was in Italy and uh, studying abroad she was in Chile studying abroad um and she was she was you know a copywriter going to school for for copywriting and I'm going mm-hmm. to school for architecture and design and so we just had this passion for you know living in other countries and experiencing other cultures yeah. And, and again, building that sort of empathy and humility bone in our body. So, you know, and what we find is that working in the travel and tourism space, you know, we just naturally gravitated towards it because what you're really doing is you're selling memories and you're selling experiences, which in the end will, you know, have a more profound, you know, sort of effect on people and change people in a positive way. And so, yeah, so we just love working in the space because of the output and and, and the impact that it creates is, is so, so great. And obviously we're dealing with so many people wanting to travel. So now we have this over tourism sort of balance that we have to, we have to navigate through, but, but that's kind of what really got us there was that um, this idea of like selling experiences and selling memories and, and uh, giving people new, you know, new points of view. And uh, we just feel like that just helps make everyone better. It does uh, give you a new perspective. I, I always come back from my trips, more compassion. Yes. I show, I show the people around me and it just gives you like, like I said, the, the point of view of, and that's a thing to be grateful for that we're a collective unit. But whether yes. we're three miles away, three thousand miles away, or across the yes. globe, um, in Rome, so it really does. Um, traveling does help you live. 
Yes. Better. And now do most of the clients for Noble Studios, are they travel agencies? Um, what kind of the, what what is the portfolio of the businesses you serve? Yeah. So we, so it's interesting when we first started the company 20 years ago, we really gravitated towards more like the technology um, space because we were building websites and things like that. So we would naturally gravitate towards like, you know, the Googles of the world and working with those kinds of clients. And, and, and then what over time, you know, um, as we matured, it was fun to work in those, you know, clients like the Salesforces or the Cisco's or Microsoft's and all of those. But what we found was there were, it was more transactional and this idea of gravitating towards working in, in tourism, it just was more gratifying. And so where we, where we, I would, I'd say as our sweet spot is working with what they call destination marketing organizations. And oftentimes those are cities, um, sometimes they're states. So like the state of Nevada, we do all the marketing for the state of Nevada. Um, we've worked in, you know, the islands of Tahiti. So we worked, that's a country. So we, we you know, ended up doing all the marketing and, and design and development work for them. But I would say more, instead of the like travel agencies, it's more built around the destinations themselves and marketing those destinations uh, is kind of a sweet spot for us when, when considering the travel and tourism space. You have an exciting job. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. Honestly, I love it. I, I, uh, I really feel very humbled and blessed by all the people we get to be around. And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. I'm on the, I'm on the road a lot. Um, but that's okay. My kids love to travel. They're world travelers now. And so they're, they're actually one of them's in college and they're already talking about where are they going to study abroad? And so we just, the idea of like the world is getting flatter, uh, in a good way. We just love it, you know, and, and see, like I said, seeing all these different cultures. So the fact that we were able to build a business around it, um, truly blessed for that. Yeah. Uh, we were in Italy last month and oh, yeah. I have to say, find a way to bring the food here so I can yes. experience the yes. culture. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I know my, you know, my father, um, you know, he's a very, very Italian. He owns an Italian restaurant. Um, and actually we have a, um, a yeast that our family has been growing over in Italy for a few hundred years that has been shipped now over here and it's been cured and, you know, and worked on and everything for the last seven years. So to your point of bringing the food over here, we, he's done just that. And now he has all these different types of bread that he serves at the restaurant, all coming off of this same culture and yeast that's been alive for, you know, effectively, you know, 200 years. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when you can immerse the cultures and kind of bring everything together, bring everyone around food. And that's yes. really what it's about. And I, and I can, I see that um, with you and your team, and I want to talk about how you hire talent is embedding yes. that culture um, within the yes. company, whether it, it's um, icebreakers, um, you know, give us a little uh, snippet onto how you hire talent and keep them and build that culture around them. Yeah. So we, so that I, honestly, what separates a good company from a great company is their people. And, mm -hmm. and so it's really, really important that when, you know, our core values as a company, we, we not, I would say screen, but we use those as a filter when we're actually attracting talent. And we talk yeah. to them during the interview process and, you know, about here's the culture that we, you know, we like to foster. Um, you know, passion is, is something that, you know, really we look for in the people. Um, we don't necessarily need to have, they have to have so much experience in the industry if they have the right makeup of ingredients, um, you know, but we also joke and say that that a year at Noble is like, is like hell, you know, and like a hell week, you know, like uh, what you would go and train for, for football or whatnot is that it's just really intensive. And that we operate on like a 30% learning curve every single year, new technologies. I mean, now we have the rise of AI and how mm -hmm. much that has 
you know, affected everyone's workflows and tool sets that they use. And so we really try to find individuals that one, first align with our core values, and then two, are always curious, right? They're always curious. They're these life learners, um, you know, the concept of wanting to be better every day and wake up the next day and, and try to do something a little bit better. So we're always looking for those. And once we find those people, you know, then we know they're the right people. And then it's about finding what seat do they sit on at the bus, right? And this, this sort of Jim Collins, right? Right people, right seats. And sometimes they're not in the right seat. And so we move them to another seat or we work with them to go to a different seat if they're the right person. But, um, and that's really helped us with our retention rate of our team. And, and I would say one of our big differentiators is, is just that, is our culture. I like that. So let me let me clarify. So do not go hiring with the position in mind. Hire those talents, which the aforementioned that you just laid out, and then find a seat for them. Yeah, I think you can go both ways. You could like we you could have the seat in mind, but sometimes it takes so long to find that individual. And so, you know, maybe have like a, a bench in mind, maybe <laughs> and not necessarily a seat. So you can you can sit on the end and you can move them in the middle or you can slide them to the side. But yeah, really it's about finding the right people. Um, and we've done that where we found the right person, right? We don't even have an opening, but this is the right person, and we're gonna build a position around this person. And um, and then especially during the early days of running a business and starting a business, it's so crazy critical to have the right people. And then you can build structure and all those other things later. But um, but if you don't have the right people at the very beginning, you, no matter what structure you have and no matter what framework or philosophies, um, the people are what is the differentiator of whether you're going to be successful or not. Yeah, it, it will be chaos or madhouse and you don't want that. And I and I like your theory on it. Uh, honestly, yeah, as, as a startup, I have a startup and I'm growing it and we're so fresh. It's like, who, where's the role? Who do I put in and what position? But if I get the right talent, get the right people with the right buy-in, with the right yep. passion and the right heart, they will fit in. Um, they will. So I like that. Yeah. And especially in startups, because, you know, the, the expectation in a startup is you're going to wear many different hats. And so, so, you know, you want to find people that are diverse enough, but have the right ingredients that, you know, could, you know, adjust or shift or shape themselves into something they're maybe really passionate about. Or once they, once they become really good at something, they naturally start to own those things. But yeah, right at the very beginning of starting any company, it's really about finding, getting the right people, you know, on, on the bus with you. And then you can yeah. kind of figure out where you're going to take it, you know? Yeah, no, that that is um, powerful um, advice there. Thank you for that. Now, let's talk about that, the, the secret word of AI. Like, so how yes. is AI reshaping SEO and what is it doing to your business? Because you're all about market, marketing trends yeah. and people are finding ways to automate and find yep. ways to create content to chat GPT. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's interesting. Normally people ask like, well, what book are you reading right now? And I, I'm telling them I'm not reading a book. I'm reading everything about AI and articles and, you know, and attending webinars and just, and playing with these tools that are there. And so, and I think that's the kind of, you know, I think if you think about it, it's like three things, like there's a mindset, there's a tool set. And then there's a skill set. And all three of those are required to adopt AI, right? So the mindset of adopting AI is to not sit, think of it as it's taking over our jobs. Instead, it's a brainstorming buddy, or it's an enhancement tool that allows you to take 
something you were already starting with and enhance it at a much accelerated rate. So that's sort of the mindset. Then you have the tool set, which is there are so many tools that are popping up that are independent AI tools. And then there's other tools that we're already using that are bringing AI into those tools. And then you've got, of course, the, the skill set, which is like really about like, you've got to really dive in. You got to learn how to prompt, you know, you got to learn how to describe things a little bit better than you did before, because now you're creating things from thin air. Um, so you got to make sure you have a vision in mind of what you want that end, maybe generative image to look like, or you want that end paragraph to sound like. Um, but we're using it literally every single day from helping us respond to emails um, you know, helping us write employee reviews. And when I say like helping us write employee reviews, we still gather all the information about the employee or the team member. We still understand what their strengths are and their weaknesses are. We understand where they want to grow in their career. So all that context is needed, but we'll, we'll then seed the, uh, like ChatGPT or Bard or Claude or any one of these other sort of copy generators. We'll seed it with that. And then we'll tell it what format we want. We want it to be a three paragraph format. We want it to be this. We want it to have, you know, an exciting tone to it or whatnot. And so you still have to really work with it. If you don't know how to work with it, you're, you're not going to get a great product out of working with it. Just like any tool, you, you know, if it's a paintbrush, you got to know not to push too hard or it's going to smudge or you got to be gentle with it. And so it's, it's very similar in that sense, but we're, we are, we're adopting it in every single facet of our business. You mentioned um, SEO. We're helping us um, write some of our SEO prompts. We'll take our article that we've already written, like an SEO optimized blog, and we'll toss it into ChatGPT and ask it questions like, hey, do you see any room for improvement? Are we missing any, you know, any, if it's a bullet, like say we're doing a listicle article, like a five points of whatever interest, we might say, is there any other points of interest that are, that, that we might be missing? And it might find, oh yeah, you're missing this other, you know, point of interest. And you're like, ah, oh, that's a great, I didn't even think about that. And then we further elaborate on that one that was missing. And so we're really using it as like a tool versus this idea of like replacing the work that we're doing, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, there's no shame in using it because there's a right. quote that says AI will not replace you, but someone who is using AI will. Well said. Yeah. I, and I, and I do think about that. I think, okay, when, you know, we're writing job descriptions, when we're attracting talent outside of, of course, making sure they align to core values, all those pieces and they're good humans, but we're asking them now, like, Hey, you know, what tools are you using with AI and you know, how comfortable are you? And, you know, those are all part of some of the interview questions now, because to your point, it's just like a, an extra asset that you're bringing to the table. And if you have it over someone else, you're likely going to get placed in a job sooner, faster, or, you know, or whatnot. So yeah, it's definitely something I encourage people to lean in on. And, and and the other thing I would just leave people with too, is that there are more people on this planet than there ever has been. And there is more people employed than there ever has been, you know? So it just, it doesn't mean that they're going to, it's going to replace your job. It's going to change the jobs that we're doing, you know? And so it's really about leaning in. And I think we're going to be even more employed uh, in the future. It's just a matter of what we do today is going to be a bit different than what we do a year, five years from now. I know you're concerned about that future with AI. I mean, we have robots. I saw, I'm in right. San Diego and I saw robots at the game, at the Met game. So are you concerned um, about the future of AI machine learning and even the, the ability to hold conversations? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I I am hoping that there'll be some level of regulation that will come soon. Right now, it's kind of an arms race to like whoever can ingest, you know, the most amount of data sets and can get the most amount of users using their platform. But really, I'd like to know where this content that was being generated came from, right? In my old school way of like, you know, citing sources and, and such references and things like that. I'd, I'd, I actually want to know where it's coming from because because what's happening is it is it's giving you information convincingly inaccurate at times, right? You're like, wow, that sounds great, but it's actually quite inaccurate. Or, you know, it's running off of a data set from, you know, like ChatGPT's running off of a data set from September of 21. Mm-hmm. So you've got like, you ask what restaurant to go to and maybe half of those are closed because it didn't take into effect you know the last two years of pandemic and that comp so I think I think I'm hoping that there's going to be some level of regulation that'll maybe slow things down a little bit allow adoption to happen a little bit but I don't know I don't know if that's going to happen because you know we're kind of we're racing against other countries at the same time of doing this too so and some of those don't have those points of regulation so it'll be an interesting world I I am optimistic I'm naturally an optimistic person um I do believe that you know we're living in the best time we could have ever yeah. been living in you know and I and I have to assume that with you know advancements of medicine using AI to help with medicine and, you know, and other things that it's only going to make living better. I'm hoping that I think AI can also help with climate change. And, you know, when they start to see temperature rising in other areas, it can identify what plants to plant in those areas and with a quantity of plants to maybe plant in those areas. So I, I think there's a lot of amazing benefits, but we've got to keep it out of the hands of people that, you know, aren't thinking so positively, I guess, about the world, you know? So I agree with you. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> yes. And yes. We're, we're basking into that. So let's talk about your morning routine. How do you get up, dress up and show up? What are some of the tools and things you do to make sure you prime yourself for the day? So I, I love it. I, um, it's been recently, I would say in the last like five years that I've been following a very regimented schedule. Um, and I call it my five commitments and it's basically, if you want to have a successful day, because so many things are in and out of our control, right? But but if you if you wake up and you and you have these five commitments, that sets you up for the next commitments that you're going to do for the rest of the day. And then right. if you have a bad day, things went off the rails or you know something happened you didn't expect to happen, you still have all these other positive things that you were in that was in your control that you're able to do. So for me, I get up at four forty five. Rarely do I hit snooze, but once in a while I do. Um, so right when it goes, I you know the old habit of me would hit it four or five times. So I get up for four forty five. I go downstairs. I drink one glass of water. Mm-hmm. I always need. I usually bring one to bed with me, but you know I, I don't like to drink too much at night. I have to get up and go pee. You know, yeah. so so always a good glass of water in the morning. I grab a cup of coffee. And I do check my emails in the morning, and I look at my schedule to see what is set up for me. I only spend about ten minutes um, doing that, and then I stop. And I go into my home gym and I work out for an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. And then ap- after the, the home gym, I take a shower, I get dressed, I come downstairs, I usually eat. I'm very, you know, again, very routine based. I have a another cup of coffee. I have an egg. I have a beta fiber that I put in my water and I put a Noom tablet, which is like a hydration sort of vitamin tablet. And then I take my vitamins. And then after that, I feel like, okay, I've done this really healthy start. It's been consistent. It's kind of autopilot a a bit. And then I already know what my day is going to look like. And then I, so I've mentally prepared by looking at my email and checking my schedule for the day, only for about 10 minutes, I mentally prepare for what's to come when I'm working out or I'm, you know, like for instance, today I knew I was going to be talking with you. So I, 
I actually was on the treadmill and I watched a few of your episodes and I saw that, you know, I knew how to pronounce your name. I know it sounds so <laughs> silly, but I had asked you at the very beginning. And so all those things allowed me to like be that I built those into my routine, even though my day was very different than yesterday and it'll be very different tomorrow. So, so that's kind of, yeah. I call it the five commitments. Cause there's usually once you do five, then you can do the sixth and the seventh, and then you eat a healthy lunch and then you, you know, do a walk in the afternoon. And then, so all those things build up. But if you, but the opposite is if you slept in, you didn't get a chance to get up and get that water. You didn't make a shower because you were late for this. You didn't get a chance to look at your email. Now you're, now you're running against time and you feel like you've lost your day. And then of course, all it takes is just the littlest thing to tip you over. And then you've had the bad day, you know, uh, because you're not in control. And then so a lot of things come into my world that I don't have control over. But when I have this very controlled start of a day, mm-hmm. um, it allows me to manage those things that that come in unexpectedly. Yeah. So that you show up ready, yes. you show up at a place of Zen and prepared to take on whatever comes your way. But if you were on that same domino effect of chaos, yep. then yep. it's only going to breed more. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. Versus this way, I can deflect it a little bit because I've already built up all these positive commitments and accomplishments that, you know, that are just simple ones that are so simple, like a glass of water. That's a very yeah. easy thing to do every single morning, you know? Yeah. And, and it's free and yeah. so your yeah. home or gym. <laughs> yep. So you got rid of any entry to barrier, right? You made it super yes. simple for yourself. And that's the thing with habits. That's how you have that's right. to make it work that you don't need to think about it. You don't have to go an extra step because then you talk yourself out of it. That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. If there's friction, I was just gonna say, if there's any friction there, it's so easy to just say, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it again. And so, yeah, to remove friction um, to your point, that'll help you form better habits. So. Yeah. And and it just got a thought. How do you apply that to life? How do you apply that to business? Because it is interchangeable. Like it yes. is correlated. Yeah, really uh, well said. So um, at the beginning of this year, for instance, I had planned, I, I look at my calendar. A lot of times we set up one-on-ones or we have these recurring appointments and things, and then you just get into the motion. So every year I reevaluate the year and I reevaluate the schedule. So I say, okay, do we want to be having our board meetings on Wednesdays, the third Wednesdays of every month? Um, do I need to be having these one-on-ones every month or can they move to every six weeks? So I look at everything with a fresh opportunity. Um, and I'm doing that right now. In fact, because we're in October, setting up for next year, it's all about organization. So it's looking at all the different travel dates that I have personally. Um, and then I look at all the different travel dates I have for business-wise, whether it's conferences I'll go to or attend or speak at or visiting our office in the UK or you know the partner monthly meetings that we have or the ma- management quarterly meetings and all of that gets effectively built into the schedule before we even get into next year. So that's kind of at the largest, the largest level. Um, and then every, then bringing it down into into the sort of macro level. I I work with. We have a management meeting every single Wednesday. We start at eight twenty five. We end at nine fifty five. So we try to stagger it just off hour slightly, so it gives people time to go to the bathroom or you know get ready. Um, and we have the same agenda, and we start on time, we end on time. We you know um, so we mm-hmm. so this structure, this really this healthy structure and routine that you put into your business allow it holds you accountable even if you're not feeling like you're up to it that day. It's like, you kind of like, Hey, well, this is the time. This is the meeting. This is the the, the system. And so it no longer becomes something that you negotiate with yourself on. Um, and you just, you just go through the motions, you know, we move the barriers, we move the traction so that you just step into it. That, 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 that's a habit. If 
autopilot. And when you set the right ones, yes, it's, it's amazing what, what happens after. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jared, tell me, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find Noble Studios? Give us the handles. Yeah, absolutely. So it would love for anyone to go to our website. Uh, it's Noble Studios, N-O-B-L-E-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Um, there you'll see we have all about us. Um, of course, we have case studies. So you can see the kind of work that we do. Um, always interested in, in having someone reach out through our website, or you could even go onto LinkedIn and you can check my profile out. It's uh, Jared Lopiccolo. So it's J-A-R-R-O-D-L-O-P-I-C-C-O-L-O. Um, I'm always interested in getting connected with any and all types of humans because we're all the same in one way or the other. I joke around. I say, don't sell me stuff. But if you want to have a conversation, I'm totally interested. And then, and then what you find is through conversation, we naturally sell uh, to each other. Um, you know, so yeah. So we'd love to hear from anyone. And and uh, if there's any work out there that we can help people with, even better. But if not, just to have a connect, I'm happy to do that. So, Jared, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Thank you for taking the time and joining us. Yes, Dr. Lunid, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, this was great. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to be back maybe another time. Yes, yes. Phenomenal. Well, all right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.